Let us pray. God, please be with us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Good afternoon, church. My name is Alan, and I'm the pastoral fellow here. And in case you missed it, winter is upon us. It's getting colder. The leaves have fallen from the trees. Shops are filled with stuff to buy for your loved ones. Decorations and even cute little manger scenes are beginning to pop up. In our churches, we call this time leading up to Christmas Day Advent. This is a time when there is both an active remembrance of the birth of a particular little baby Jesus in a particular time and place, and an active expectant waiting for Jesus to return in the recreation event, where all will be made well. Yet amidst holiday cheer and hustle bustle, maybe in this time and place, right here, right now, there will be an interruption of the usual as we explore the narrative of Joseph's encounter with God, how Joseph faced a hard reality and was enabled to hold on to hope because God showed up and opened a third door for Joseph when Joseph thought there was no other way. It is this facing of hard realities when there seems to be no good options, when hope is hard. This is what we see in the scripture, and this is what I have experienced in my own life. You see, a bit less than two years ago, I came up against a hard reality. I found myself in the third year of seminary trying to make it through a difficult semester studying Hebrew and Christian doctrine. I was also teaching voice lessons around 20 hours per week so that the rent, the bills, and the school could be paid for. It all worked out because my partner at the time and I, we teamed up around the house. We shared financial and emotional and spiritual support. We helped one another. Unfortunately, our relationship came to an end. My partner and I separated due to the realization that there was a barrier between us that just could not be overcome. We were both being led in opposite directions. Our breakup now, it was for the best, but still my heart broke. I felt like my world was crumbling because, well, it kind of was. I thought I was gonna have to go it alone. You know, that I would have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Then, it also became clear that my voice business was decreasing. And to survive meant to put almost my entire focus into the business. But you see, if I put all the focus into the business, uh, what about school? Then to top it all off, I needed to do a full-time ministry internship as part of my schooling. And of course, this internship provided no income whatsoever. My anxiety levels were rising. I started to panic and asked myself the question, what do I do? I felt like I was between a rock and a hard place. There were no good options. It was now a choice between survival, rebuilding this voice business, and calling the ministry and the internship. I could not at that time imagine any way that the situation could improve. I was locked into this pretty dismal reality. Have any of you ever been in a similar fix where you only see two doors? So behind door number one is a cobra, and behind door number two is a python. So one is going to bite you with fangs full of poison, and the other is going to try to squeeze the life out of you. Well, you're going to have to make a decision. 
you're going to have to make up your minds at some point and resolve to open one of those doors. Maybe door number two. So you choose the python. You know, at least you have a chance to wrestle, and maybe <laughs> a slim chance, but it's better than poison. Yet, you see, we sure ain't going to feel happy or at peace about this decision, for obvious reasons. This kind of a situation where hope seems real hard, well, phrases like, God doesn't give you something you can't handle, or God doesn't shut a door without opening a window. You see, these catchphrases in moments like this ring hollow. I'm pretty sure that Joseph would not be a happy carpenter if someone said some of those phrases to him. You say, I think he probably felt overwhelmed, like he was stuck, stuck in a difficult situation as we see in our scripture text, where hope was hard. But the narrative begins so matter-of-fact. The birth of Jesus took place in this way. Hmm, okay. But you see, it's in the very next sentence that we learn Mary is pregnant. Now, this is a big problem. In this time and place, engagement meant that Mary and Joseph were already considered married. Now, Mary would be living with her parents for a year and then move in with Joseph after this to consummate the marriage. But during this time, this year period, if anything funny happened, like getting pregnant out of thin air, then Mary's going to be in big trouble. And can you imagine what Joseph went through when he found out about Mary being with child? I'm sure there was a rush of emotions, shock, bewilderment, anger, sadness, despair. The woman he loves, whom he pledged his life to, at least as far as he can tell at the moment, she is an adulteress. Joseph would be heartbroken. And then, then comes the difficult part. What does he do now? He has two options allowed to him under the Jewish law. He can turn her in, she would be tried and most likely found guilty, or he can attempt to serve her with a writ of divorce, trying not to bring any attention to what is transpiring. But seriously, this is a small town. They're going to notice. Even if he divorces her quietly, everybody is going to know she and her baby will be outcasts at best. Joseph has no good options here. Door number one or door number two, cobra or python. Now, I would posit that this predicament reveals that Joseph's current understanding of the law was not large enough. Now, he was doing the best he could to be a good guy. His imagining, though, of what it meant to be righteous was stunted. The system in which he lived left him with limited vision. He was in a place where hoping was hard. I remember being in that place of limited vision, where hoping is hard. Two doors was all I could imagine. The system in which I live said there was nothing but an either or, that I had to choose between the lesser of two evils. Now, actually, I felt alone in this choice, but that wasn't true. This is the moment where I was interrupted, and a third door appeared. I prayed to God and I was led to reach out to a group of my friends. I shared with them what was going on, I shared my stuckness, and I asked for prayers on my behalf. A couple of days later, a friend messaged me 
with this crazy, far-fetched idea that was straight out of a dream. She offered me a place to stay and a job as a nanny for her three small boys. All this down in Georgia, and I lived in L.A. at the time. This option would allow me to live, I could finish my last year of seminary, and I could also do that ministry internship with no pay. However, it was almost too far-fetched to consider. I would have to close my voice business, sell everything I own, go across the country to be a nanny of three small boys living within unknown family dynamics. Well, I had done the best I could, and still I got stuck in this place that was increasingly hopeless. So I figured that this third door, this opening, was an amazing, wonderful, crazy gift from God. An interruption. God's blessed disruption of what I thought I knew and of the life I thought I had to live. So I gathered up my courage. I said yes to this Georgia adventure. I made all the necessary arrangements, and I walked through that third door. Interruption and disruption is one powerful way that God is with us. Joseph was also interrupted, and what a blessing. Joseph's resolve to walk through door number two was interrupted by a dream. Joseph was told to not act out of fear, but to trust that God was with him and Mary in a previously unimagined way, a way that looked scandalous. Joseph's attempt to follow the law was disrupted. He was doing the best he could. His understanding of that law, the understanding of what it meant to be righteous, needed to be enlarged. Joseph was called righteous in verse 19. At first glance, I thought, Maybe this is because he still obeys the law whether he is going to turn Mary in or just divorce her quietly, or because he was unwilling to expose her to public grace, thus showing a kind of mercy. However, God interrupts with this dream, and Joseph comes to believe that there is now a third option, another way. He has a glimmer of hope, a third door to walk through. So you see what really makes him righteous is how he responds to the invitation from God to walk through that third door, even though he does not really know what is going to come of it. Remember that at this point in our narrative, Joseph doesn't know about the life of Jesus, about the miracles, about the teachings, about the cross, or about the resurrection. All Joseph knows is that Mary is pregnant. And an angel of the Lord has told him to not be afraid, to trust that the Spirit is at work, that God is to be with him in a new way that enlarges his understanding of what righteousness means, of what being in right relationship with God and others means. So he trusts, and he walks through that door, taking wife, taking Mary as his wife, and naming the baby boy Jesus. God is with us, right here, right now, in this new way, as a baby forming in the womb of Mary. God is with us so that we would be saved from our sins, from anything that would separate us from the love of God and from the love of one another. 
saved from religious or political or social systems that put up walls between us, even if they don't mean to. We are saved from barriers to loving relationship with God and others, and we are saved for healthy communities in which we seek the well-being of the other. God is with us so that we can be with God and be with one another. You see, when God is with us, our imaginations are enlivened and we are able to see that third door. We have a real, authentic hope. Not that things won't be difficult. For surely leaving Los Angeles, my home of 15 years, was not a piece of cake. Taking a pregnant Mary as his wife and raising a baby Jesus? That wasn't easy for Joseph either. No, we are given real hope where we are neither stuck in despair nor are we stuck in some unrealistic daydream full of catchphrases. We have a way forward amidst the difficulties. And not just a way forward, but there are blessings that we cannot yet fathom. Yes, we surely acknowledge we have tried to do our best. We've tried to understand as much as we could. Further, we have attempted to be willing to be proven wrong, willing to admit that there is so much that we do not understand, even willing to be interrupted. The good news is that God is indeed with us, and we give thanks to God for holy disruption that shakes apart systems that oppress and divide, praising God for that third door that is opened for us and the adventure that beckons us onward as we eagerly and actively await the birth of the baby Jesus and the return of our Lord and Savior. The reflective question for today, something to ponder within your hearts. Where do you need God to reveal a third door in your life? I'll repeat that. Where do you need God to reveal a third door in your life. Now that I have asked this heavy question, take a few moments and respond using the prompts in your chairs, including how to fold it. Kara will be around in a few minutes to collect them. Where do you need God to reveal a third door in your life?